Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Mind Refinery podcast, made by us, the Mind Refinery, creators of content, aggregators of popular culture, and the place where creatives go to thrive. I'm your host, Kyle Bodanis, and this week is our first look at our favorite films of the 2010s, starting with my personal favorite, The Social Network. Before we get into the show, uh, just a little Mind Refinery news. Next week on the podcast, we're going to briefly dip back into the Star Wars universe with our discussion on the season finale of The Mandalorian. We wanted to give you a bit of a Star Wars break, so we held off on the show, but I feel like now it's a time to release it uh, on an unsuspecting world. And if you're not already subscribing to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, please do so, and if you dig it, feel free to give us your finest reviews. And now, without further ado, here's the show. Here today to discuss my favorite film of the 2010s are Mind Refinery Creatives, Andrew Van Eek. Hello. John Neal. What's happening? And Andrew Lanson. Hey, hey. So, the one, I think the over, first of all, this movie started a long-lasting love affair uh, with my favorite mistress, and that's the Aaron Sorkin script. <laughs> the dialogue, uh, the, the cadence, the witticisms, the Sorkinisms, uh, fantastic. You know, he took a movie that was about a guy who created something that changed the way, you know, we interact with one another you know, and he himself could, like had a complete inability to interact with people, and he and on a micro level made it Shakespearean. This isn't really a movie about Facebook. This is a movie about friends who are jealous and class and betrayal, and uh, it's almost and you know you have the the Yago Shakespearean character in in Sean Parker who see drives a wedge between the friends and is in the one uh, friend's ear, and. You know, it, it, it tells a story of the modern world by telling a story that is of humanity since we... It, it's really no wonder, like, you know, you thought Fincher and Sorkin decided to do this. And that's, it's probably what inspired them. It's like, it's pro they probably jumped off the page. They're just like, holy shit, this guy, this story has everything already there. The elements in, like, real life. Yeah, and you know what? Like, there is a quote by Fincher where he you know he's, he even says he alludes to this idea of the small he says like what happened was he like um i can't remember the name of the writer boy and look up who did the uh accidental billionaires so the treatment for the book the accidental billionaires which he was based on he got a copy of it because they wanted to do a buy-in they oh, wanted yeah, to do sorry, up, he would have yeah so they wanted because they what they wanted to do is they wanted to do a novel and movie release at the same time so sorkin got a copy of this treatment um and this is what he said about it. He's like, what attracted me to the film part of the project, you know, had nothing to do with Facebook. Um, the invention itself is as modern as it gets, but the story is as old as storytelling. The themes of friendship, loyalty, jealousy, class, and power. And All there. That's what, that's what I loved about this. And right from the opening scene, which I think the opening scene is one of my favorites, you know, in film. First of all, it also introduced me to another love of mine, Rooney Mara who is absolutely fantastic in that opening scene. And what I like about it is that, is that opening scene really tells you everything you need to know about Mark Zuckerberg, the character Mark Zuckerberg, because there's a difference between necessarily the character and real Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, it really tells you everything about what all his idiosyncrasies and deficiencies are going to be moving forward. How do, you, how do you distinguish yourself? I mean, he says it in that first scene. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's a really, really big thing. The theme of the movie is how, like when everybody scored... 1500 on the SATs 
And like you know, he's talking about he every scored fifteen hundred on yesterday. He scored sixteen. Sorry, excuse, excuse me. I don't. I don't know. No, shit no one about at this the table. Yeah, no one. <laughs> we're from Canada. No one so. at this table scored a fifteen hundred seat. We anyway, but sorry. Excuse me, sixteen hundred, and like yeah. So it's like, how do you distinguish yourself? And I think like that was a really, really big theme of the movie. And it's like, like the, everything as you said, it was laid out in that first scene. Yeah, you know, I think that that's where you know it all comes from because the whole thing is about even like when they're talking about you know Facebook is cool right now and that's the best currency we have. That's the buzzword for him is this idea of cool and this idea of acceptance and. Mm-hmm. Although it does make sense for the business, it also mirrors him and what he needs in his life and this always trying to get acceptance, this trying to separate himself from everybody. And, you know, I mean, like that's especially for young people, that's an idea we can, you know, all kind of understand. I mean, just people in general. I think you you're big. You're big dialogue guy. So this movie is pretty much. I could full on beat it's off to Sorkin li- guy. <laughs> Trust me, Sorkin did enough of it himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did. I just, you know what, like, and that is, you know, that's a, especially if you've watched The West Wing a million times, then the Sorkinisms, like, how many times have you watched The West Wing? No. Okay, so you <laughs> think you think you're picking up on it now? Watch the West Wing. No, I've I've seen like the supercuts on YouTube of no, no. like the it's, Sorkinisms. It's like it's a it's non like... it's a nonstop just Sorkinism. The walk and talks. <laughs> it's just you're motion sick by the end of it. And all I want to do is stuff it in my mouth over and over again. <laughs> Feed it to me. I love it. Could could not could not watch. I don't think. No, I don't think you could. Not if you have if you're having an issue with the Sorkinisms and the West Wing is not like I'm. Trust me, I I love the dialogue in in um Social Network, but there were a couple times where I was like that's a little cringy so like, what for you are the cringy parts uh, just like so, like sometimes i can't i, I can't like the tripping top of my over head. its own witticisms yeah like kind of like, like where they're trying to be too smart back and forth yeah yeah and where yeah. he'll just like zuckerberg will like eisenhower as zuckerberg will just say something like like it's super witty and it's just kind of like eisenhower. i don't know it just doesn't land like I don't eisenhower know. sorry did i say eisenhower what did yeah. i say eisenberg the supreme eisenberg. allied commander yeah. of the wow. second world war uh, that's yeah i mean i've been watching a lot of world war ii documentaries <laughs> this guy's been watching the, this guy's been watching world war ii in color so now everyone is eisenhower yeah i actually think like the the parts that dwight d I, the parts that i'm kind of see this is the thing though even with those parts even if you take those things out i feel like it just wouldn't just wouldn't kind of all no. Mesh the same way in, in the context of the movie. A very, in the context of the movie, this, like, I, I get what you're saying. Kind of a, I get is, what you're saying. This is kind of those his yeah. idiosyncrasies, yeah, and that's yeah. like embedded into it. It's part of the character, and it's of the everybody movie, around really. him gets I, dragged I, I get into it, it, which is clearly yeah. What this happened. is this, and this is kind of the meta, the meta of the dis, <laughs> of this discussion is that where it goes from your favorite to what you like, cri- like for a critical analysis, you know, like yeah. for me, it's failings. But I think it's a crit- at the same time critical darling. But like when you're critically analyzing it, I think yeah, I could definitely see that you know the Sorkin witticisms, uh, and you know and like how they can trip over each other, and especially when it's because you know what it is. It sometimes it's forced, right? Is that it's not it maybe I, I, doesn't belong in the scene. I, I I can I can think of a scene now, the one where he's looking out the window, and the attorney at one of the depositions asks him if he has his I love attention. This scene. Yeah. See no, see that that's, wait, that's what the, you're wait, hold on, hold on. Sorry, I, I think you have explained yeah, yeah, the, okay, the, the dialogue. Sorry. I okay, Sorry. From, from a filmmaking standpoint, like I I feel like that scene is edited like wonderfully. Like like te- from a technical standpoint, I think it looks great. But I just I think f- the dialogue in that scene is like 
you have the bare minimum of my attention. I'm just yeah. like, okay. I, I, also, I, I, I think that's one of the Dude best lines. Like, that's such in a, the movie. He's, he, he's uh, to just anybody so, like, that on can't the, uh, recall it, he's like, nobody edits Aaron Sorkin's poetry. <laughs> <laughs> no, Fincher <laughs> reined him in for that movie. Fincher, like, yeah. like, he had to. They had to. But you know what, though? There was like, it, that's, it's the... Uh, <laughs> no, Fincher reined him in. It would have been like more Sorkin. Because, no, no, for sure. Because and that that's why I think maybe like they struck they, a good balance. That, I love that the push and pull is where you get the just best. Just about to say, yeah, just sorry, exactly. Sorry. No, 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 no. Actually, you said it perfect. The idea about the push and pull is that you have someone like Fincher who is far more of a minimalist and who goes on the who, who's looking to make things. But I mean, more. he has a distinct visual style. I don't know if I'd call him a minimalist. No, no, I'm talking on this set I'm, though. On this set, I know no setup. Like every setup was done in like twenty minutes. But this is what I'm saying. It's not so much even from a visual, from an acting standpoint. Okay, okay, sorry, right? my, like, my yeah, apologies. Yeah. But no, but that's a good. It's a good note about the, the, the visuals because we will absolutely get into that. Um, is that like he's a, those performances? He's not looking for talky things. You know what I mean? His stuff is more brooding. Although you know, with that said, you know, a, a movie like Fight Club, you know, is is, yeah. is, is talking. But I, I, you know, his stuff is more. Especially when you look at like Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, it's more, but. Sorkin comes in and says, let's do these rehearsals and let's keep, you know what I mean? Let's keep and let's time the dialogue so it has meter and cadence. And like when you put those two together, you end up getting something really, 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 really good. Yeah. And like, just like you said, it's like a push and pull kind of There's thing. A, yeah. He's, he shuts them all up in that. That scene is great. The, what is the last line when he's like, he says that you have the bare minimum amount of my attention. That's all like, you, that no, you deserve. No, and he goes, but he goes, my, my head is back with my team. Who are doing a bunch of people doing that you are not that technically or creatively capable, capable of, of doing. doing. Yeah. Yes. And and then including, but especially your clients. Yeah. The people who Inclu- are suing yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah, yeah. that can't do this thing. And it is such a really good point because one of the strongest themes in this movie that you really got to look back at is like, what is this? What is intellectual property? So if like you can think of some idea, that's a what, very what does that really point, mean? Yeah. The guy that it like there's a new age we're like redefining that we could answer that question from like a hard idea and invention and product in the 80s but w- in in this space he, we don't even know uh, like obviously none of us are lawyers here but even beyond that even beyond the legal like you just don't even understand which where the idea starts and where the product is which part is which well i, I like it just I, blends I, in i'm not sure if it was that same scene but he's like if you if you if you were going to invent Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. And like I don't know if that's the same scene, so I might be like going back on what I was saying. No, but it's from the same like it's thread like, of deposition. But I yeah. do, I did like that line. They did give a real they did a good job too of um planting the different like he's like borrowing ideas from his life, which is the same thing a writer does, which is the same thing anybody else does. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, did this guy rip off this idea or just encounter a bunch of stuff and then make it into something? Yeah. I'm gonna so I mean, one th- another thing I really, really liked about it was the setup and working them around the depositions, working like the, as being the framework for the like the nonlinear. Yeah, non-linear and I also like I like I love the way that they cut between them as well, um, like going from one to the other, one finishing each other's sentences. Because I mean, it's that I you know, it's you see in documentary overlapping questions. You know, when they're when you're when you're asking people questions, you tend to overlap them so you can like mix their answers together. And they did that by using the questions in the deposition, which I thought were incredible and also like you get some good performances in the deposition too rashida jones is one of them like her she's fantastic she's fantastic and everything but like what did you guys think about she's the idea good. of structuring it around the the deposition was that something good drives, it. drives the whole movie loved it pretty pretty much the you know what that for on the writing side like to be able to 
because it's got this common thread, but it's actually the two depositions and you don't even actually know when they're happening. Like the way it jumps around in time yeah, is one of the craziest. You don't even think of it, but in terms of like time and pacing, this is one of the craziest editing jobs and and i'm not sure if it was all in the editing or all in the writing or both the it's combination both. Yeah, probably both. both um but that's just wild that you and it's completely coherent so much so that you don't even really notice it until the end of the movie that it was jumping around in time but what i really liked was it, it did a really good job of allowing exposition to happen while still feeling natural and not like hey we're just talking facts at you like yeah. they let like you got you got the situation, like you got like the event, and then you literally cut to them talking about their event of the event and like seeing it, you know, through the lens of the time that has passed. And also just like you get their instant feelings about it. They're like, I felt this about what just what, what you just saw. So I thought that was a really, really good way of like showing. I mean, it's not even it's, it's telling, not showing, but it, it was done in a natural way, I thought, effectively. I mean the exposition like a situation with with exposition i mean exposition can be used to completely beat a film over the head and they i think that you know the the you know the questioning and the the scenes with the lawyers was a good way of dropping that in where it wasn't clumsy because i mean that's really the difference between a complete professional and an amateur when it comes to writing is like how are you injecting that exposition in you know what i mean right right like whereas someone like for example a completely different thing but like jj abrams you know, in his movies, dropping exp- like the exposition. Then right it's there. The, the, the terrible dialogue, be like describing what the person. Yeah, and there's obviously that completely different types of filmmaker, yeah, but, but still, at the end of the day, you got to be pro with it, and you got to be, and, and you got to do it economically. And I thought, you know, I thought it was really, another, really, really good. Another thing is, is by putting it in there, it really reinforces what all of this is about, too, right? Like the movie. You know, it's about it you, think it, the you think it's a character piece and betrayal and it is all those things, but it's also about people suing each other in the business world, which is literally pretty much takes up 90 percent of the entire workforce of America's time. Yeah, like, but I think the suing, like, but I think money, I, like. I think the idea of betrayal like comes to the forefront because of who is suing him, not not referring to the Winkle, yeah. vi- the Winkle vibe, but it's his <laughs> it's the his vibe. it's his it's his best friend who is played expertly by Andrew Garfield. He really does his. Fantastic. He's incredible, Fantastic. and we're gonna we're, we're gonna get into the performances, um, because I think that that has to be talked about. But like before we get into that, I want to talk about where does this rank in terms of David Fincher works? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's his best movie. Personally, I think it's his best film. I mean, from I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a list. There are like seven. I think was the front runner for me before I saw this movie because of Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box. Yeah. Okay. Um, looking back, yes, <laughs> I would say I would say this. I, I would say this was tops. What about? <laughs> I uh, think it, it, I think it's so significant too. That's like yeah, like you have yeah. to. So you, it's impossible to separate. It. Zodiac it was sick. Zodiac was amazing. Zodiac yeah, is slept on, and it's so good. It's but good. it's a good movie. But like, what is the impact, and what is the importance? No, so exactly. This That's why I said it was like, sick. I wasn't yeah, like it's yeah. it's girl like with the dragon tops. tattoo. Uh, for like Gone Girl was really good. Too. Gone, all, Gone Girl is really I good. I love Gone that he great. used. I lo- love that he used a super strong female. You know, did a story with a super strong female protagonist. Um, the books. I mean, Vinny, you read the books. All those three of those books, the Millennium Trilogy. Yeah, I. I, I that like, was a hard one for me because the books, like, just they're the they Steve, they're are, good. Steve Larson's great. So so good, and the movie. Even when I was watching the movie, so I was 
so excited for it. And then right as I walked into the theater, I just kind of realized that this is going to be hard to do. I, I didn't get There's it. There's no it way was, to do it. It was it a movie about looking at pictures. Yep. Yeah, no, see, you could into that. But I, I saw the original too, and I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, it's going to be like cyber espionage. It's just not a. You, and some I'm like, movies oh, they looked at pictures. Some books translate just so much better, and you think they were because there's all these exciting plot points and stuff like that. But if you read the books, you'd just be like, this is a hard film to make. Like, there's no. There's yeah, because so that's one of the so ones I actually. There's so much depth in it. I didn't just, read like the Hornets. Ne- the, you should yeah. read all of them. It ends yeah. up the whole thing. It's so. It's a, you know what I mean? Like, I, like for me, the, that's. For, I really, really, really love that. It's it also doubles down on all the amazing Fincher things. Yeah, like uh, we're gonna talk about the sound, the score to this, which is incredible. But I, I bring, tr- yeah, bringing, uh, I'm going, I'm you going know, he, bringing Trent Reznor in again, incredible. I mean, and so like for me, that's kind of the one that rivals it. I also love Rooney Mara and think she's super talented. Um, I think she uh, just great casting. Um, really making the films less blatantly male as well because he makes very like i guess masculine movies up until that point up until this really but then but if you're looking at seven if you're looking at um fight club you know um i mean fight club 2 is I another mean, this one movie still is all just you know what honestly it is too and, you're totally, and, and, you're they, totally right and they, they put Rooney Mara in there but then that's basically she's only like really in the first scene and she's like later on in the movie at the restaurant yeah no you're, you know you're, you're totally right this is a completely male and the ending now which is actually at. the most significant thing because if her performance wasn't so strong that ending wouldn't have been so strong it's true. and you know like, what they even talk about I mean because they're even talking about like the Harvard guys sending a bus around to pick up women and stuff well and yeah and he compares them to to farm animals and then yeah, it's like yeah. it cuts to them like literally like being lined up and shit so yeah but you, you, like i don't know if you guys you know, know what actually sorry that is a good that is a good way to inject that in there because the story is the actual real people we're talking about are all males and then you need to have some female components so instead of just like hacking it in there like they actually talk about some they touch on some real issues and show and, how yeah. disgusting it is that culture with these busloads of women trying to get into a thing and stuff. Like and that. he's, and then it also says something about his character that he, there is a jealousy for it, right? Mm. Oh, he's, yeah, he's definitely very jealous. Well, it's the reason he, this whole thing got started in the first place, isn't mm-hmm. it? He had a bad breakup and how to distinguish yourself. Face smash. Boom. So I really kind of want to talk about the visuals as well. Uh, like, what do we guys think of this? I mean, like, we may be a little biased because we've shot Red One. Was it red one or was it just a red camera? I think it's. I think it might. Uh, let's look that up. I, you know, like one thing I enjoyed about. I mean, I don't like the red look. Period. You know what I mean? But also at the same time, I feel that you know Fincher's movies are so well shot, and like the coloring in this movie is. It was a little bit over the top. I loved it. The, the, I loved it. What? Uh, it was, why did you think it was over the top? It. It was like, I don't know. Like it was just like a little bit on the edges of the extreme for me. Like it was like a little bit too. Which anyway, extremes though? Like, too saturated. Like yeah, too saturated. Like when 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 he was in college, it was like super blue, and then you know when he's like super blue and green, and then when he's like in the de- de- depositions, it's like super orange. I don't know. I thought it was just a little bit over the top, I, but I I still I I love the way it was shot. Though. I have an affinity for that super high contrast David Fincher look. I think maybe. You're saying maybe they had to push those elements a little bit when they could have been just a, a little more adventurous with the shots themselves. Like it's, it's pretty. It's vanilla. Rudimentary. It's vanilla. Yeah, they yeah. didn't. Well, take it it was, like, maybe they didn't want to make the camera character and whatever. And I, yeah. I respect that choice. It didn't need to. The story had so much, but 
yeah, maybe you could have. I don't know how to low angle or something. Red, like red one <laughs> MX, by the way. It was a red one MX. Yeah. Okay, so they just did the chip mod. Yeah, yeah that's sorry, that. sorry for the film geeking. Uh, yeah, you know what? And it's like obviously there's a bias towards it, but I think it's again like if you enjoy that vi- that Fincher visual style, yeah. I think he like really doubles down on it with this, and then he will triple and quadruple down on it on his next yeah, film, like Girl with Dragon Tattoo. What what I love about David Fincher's um, visual look is he's always um, camera's always moving. Right, and he always follows his actors. Like, if someone's standing up, he'll pan up. He won't let them leave frame, or whatever. He'll actually follow them, and uh, or like walking across the room, sitting down. The whole motion will be perfect and stuff like that. This film felt like there was a lot more quick editing happening because you're jumping, yeah, like uh, like around a lot, right? Like, and like a lot of inserts in this movie. Like, he comes into his apartment, opens the fridge, there's an insert for the fridge bottle with the beer bottles. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's just so much of that happening to move to like move it along so fast yeah. but and i think that previously before this there wasn't a lot of like him and jeff croninworth croninworth uh like really what? doing what like for example roger deakins does where the camera is moving and there's a lot of movement whereas like he does it in girl with dragon tattoo but before that it's more of this like hitchcock type unnerving with the camera and it's more what is entering and leaving the scene rather than like the camera has to follow you every not to say he doesn't use movement but i would say that's not his trick yeah that's not his thing that is the the fundamental like his is very much defined by mood mm-hmm. you know how dark it is you know what i mean and even for something like this he di- you know he dialed down on those dark visuals even though it's not like a super macabre you know movie like seven or you know or like um fight club but i like the other story the other thing i, I really like um one of one of my favorite scenes in the movie is just when he leaves the bar and goes back to the Kirkland house at the beginning over the opening credits and the that. montage and the music kicks in, but like it, that's you know. all stolen shots. Hmm? All that that whole mo- like of him walking back from the bar to his dorm, those are all stolen shots. Yeah, well, that's one of my favorite sequences in the movie. What do you mean? Like they didn't shut the location down? Or no, they fucking stuck a camera up. They had. I, there's a story where they had to light that's up awesome. an archway, so they got. Um, like they they I don't know if they hired a street performer or they got somebody to pose as a street performer with like a light on their belt and like went behind the archway to like light it up and then he like that's like the archway he walks by and so I that was a splinter that. unit and nobody knew it was dude the it was like was there. it was like them yeah it was like eyes like all those people in the background are students at Harvard and now but I have a big question are those the only shots that are actually taken at Harvard no where was the location we I'm not sure where the location shot, I don't, it wasn't shot at it wasn't shot at like like so the dorms they just and stuff. stole them that they is just like, stole all those shots of him walking uh, around but yeah the but other, also the, the locations person in me my brain melts the <laughs> indie filmmaker in me I'm have a hard on. Well, yeah. this is another one of those examples where, like, we're in, and just FYI, we all met each other in film school, uh, which should be evident, and I apologize for that. Uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things where the film school, they're like, oh, man, when you get out into the industry, this, uh, none of this hack stuff, you're going to be, man, you got to have your shit together, and there's going to be adults there, and, like, you got to... <laughs> You're you don't know that's you got to do it the right way, and then they're doing this stuff. They're like, I we hired a street performer with a yeah. belt. Yeah, so I, I I also like I know like this movie had in my opinion like like, like it seems like it, there was a really minimalist approach to the cinematography. Like I know that every pretty much every setup was the, the, their mentality was like, can this be done in twenty minutes? So it's like they have like a kino flow, like augmenting a practical. You need to do that when you're taking ninety takes of a guy rocking up and down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. or like or like <laughs> they'll have like one 
like Kino Flow above a table and then like just like yeah. have it. It's like all practicals. And I the, I know like you like it shows, right? Like it's just it feels just super natural. Yeah. I, and I I love that. That's that's and, that's my favorite. And you made too. that point in the beginning and it was yeah. and, it, and it's a really good one. It's that Gordon Willis school of lighting. You know what I mean? Where you're just you're not over lighting. You're adding yeah. a minimal amount of lights to get. You're not painting the frame. You're yeah. trying to make it look natural. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like the like the antithesis to like the old Hollywood like three point lighting. Yeah, we're making portraits yeah. here. The other thing that mm-hmm. I liked about that scene in particular, and we'll, we'll probably talk about it later, but uh, the, when the score kicks in during that part, uh, it sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Just with him walking to where he's got to go, and then the music kind of kicks in, and then you're like, okay, it's got like a more serious kind of tone to it, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's it kind of gives you the impression that something also big is about to go down as well, weirdly, with it, even though it, it also kind of reflects his state of mind at the beginning with the subtle sort of piano that kind of kicks in over top of uh, yeah, the score. It Everything kind of just bleeds really well yeah. together in this. And I think, you know, the best movies have that synchronicity and harmony between things like score and visuals yeah. and the mood of the music is a, is matching the mood of the the imagery and you know I think let's be, this might be a good time to discuss the soundtrack. I'm a huge Nine Inch Nails fan, so already I'm like I hear Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, and I'm like, all right, take my money now. I think it's the most modern soundtrack, especially at that time, that's been put together, where it's really looking at classical dynamics and the idea of emotion, single piano strokes. But then getting into that distorted technical, it's like it's washed with that like electronic, um, you know, electrical, you know, technological sound. It's like a digital and like orchestra. That's yeah. like that's where he went with that. Like, you know, if you're watching like a whole, you know, s- story told by by uh, by an orchestra, they all they'll have those like low parts where it's just rumbling incoherent sounds and whatever and he did that except for he did it all like with weird digital noises and it's the most trent reznor thing ever and it's also just work like the score sticks out like a sore thumb it's something from the movie that you take away from it afterwards like i definitely downloaded the score as soon as i i heard it i was I, like this score is incredible if I, you're a nails fan if you are a nine inch nails fan it is like on the money like it's a little on the nose which made me love it more but i could see yeah. if you weren't a Nine Inch Nails fan, then it might have been a little too much. But. Uh, part of my, the the music, I kind of dealt with part of my misgivings going, when I hear, when I heard like they're doing a movie about the creation of Facebook, is we're going to have sh- scenes of guys coding. And I felt that a lot of that w- was dealt with well, you know, visually, but also the music just makes seem, everything they seem more epic. Like mm-hmm. the guy writes some blog posts uh, there, an equation gets written on a window, and it's like, wow, they're doing shit. It's like <laughs> these guys. What am I doing? And then, and to be very honest with you, I listen to that soundtrack while doing work because it makes everything I do seem more epic. <laughs> I have a w- shout out to that scene though, when they're like, oh, they're, you're thinking, oh, they're gonna have shots of guys coding, but then they are taking shots while coding. That whole <laughs> that scene is great because you wonder it's how editing, how are those people? So I, well I wasn't together. part of the, that that yeah. subculture when I was in school. Yeah. What were they partying and doing? And it's like. I don't know. Sounds seems legit to me. It's hilarious. It's so well put together. I, I love the uh the the regatta scene. And oh, I told yeah. I, I I watched the movie last night again and I completely forgot about that scene. 
and the music in that scene, like the tilt shift, like the way it's edited, like I what what I I know that's a classical song, but is that like redone by? The, oh, they yeah, talk, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like they in the Trent Reznor talks about this in the that that was the hardest thing he had to do because like he didn't want it to seem hokey because he's like yeah. if I, if this is in the scene, it's going to seem ridiculous. And they were very specific about wanting to use that song, so he spent so much time playing with it. And he said this was really the only way we could put it together, where I, they add those electronic elements to kind of to kind of make it in line with the rest of the you know with the rest of the score, but also maintain that classical thing, which is meant to go with that old Oxford yeah. European it's in, rowing it's in Britain, situation, yeah. you know. And I thought they did he did with that well, but he said that that was by far the, the toughest part of the song. I, I just I just remember watching that and just it. it I completely forgot about it and it just came, it just hit me and I was like, wow, this is such a cool scene. Like it's almost not even necessary. The you know margin what I mean? for error, like they, in an otherwise not very, like the stylistic, like that's the part that sticks out, right? Like it's like this weird, like almost not from the movie part and the margin it's like for a dream error. sequence yeah. or something. It would, it would have been yes. as random as yeah, a dream sequence yeah. in it, but somehow they pulled it off. Like everybody involved on the team just nailed that. And it's like, even when it starts, you're just like, oh, this is different from everything I've yeah. seen so far. And then you forget about it by the end of the scene. And even flirting with like how obvious that is that they lose the race or whatever, but yet it's not cheesy or hokey at all. Like that's, yeah. 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 I thought it was, and like we know a lot of we talk about you know in other podcasts cinematographers being engineering whizzes but trent reznor is on that on the musical side like they were you know f- fucking with sequencers you know inventing different you know sequencers and different you know ways of modulating sound to get those like distorted like high um feedback noises you know what i mean like there's this one track i would say everyone to listen to if you haven't downloaded the soundtrack download the soundtrack um, it's called Intriguing Possibilities, and they where they use this really high guitar frequency. It sounds like a guitar feedback, and they just loop it, and just with compression and delay, it just sounds so good. And there, he, I mean, he's I mean, this is him at his trade, working at the highest level, and uh, they I mean, they won the Oscar for it, and that can and, and there's. Sometimes the Oscars get it wrong. The scores they generally, you know, I mean, the good ones. Three I, Six Mafia. We're uh, Oscar we're giving all the love. Huge. As as Trent Reznor fans, we're giving all the love to him. How much? What did Atticus Ross? What is what did you who know? Is how Atticus Ross? Atticus Okay, so Atticus Ross uh, is has been a producer and engineer for Nine Inch Nails. Okay. Right, okay. and he's his primary composing. Okay, so it wasn't a. They didn't like be like, hey, Trent, you're kind of new. We're gonna stick you up with a. Yeah, I mean, in the in the in the Trent Reznor in the Trent in the Trent Reznor kind of you know like you know and the Nine Inch Nails thing. I mean, there's you know you people like Flood, Alan Mulder, right? And then Atticus Ross is another one in a little bit of the the later Nine Inch Nails stuff. But like with this, they really started like working on things like Ghosts and like records like that, where it was more heavily involved in creating an electronic you know soundscape. So you're looking at like a you're basically taking Nine Inch Nails work and adding like a heavy Brian Eno type, um, you know, type influence. And, you know, that's right up um, Atticus Ross's thing. You know, he's a, he's a proficient engineer, proficient producer. He really understands how to get the most. And part of that technical innovation, he is a massive part of that in terms of bringing that in because he understands the studio. If you want to compose anything electronically, you really have to understand what the studio is and what it's capable of and how it itself can be used, you know, as an instrument. 
and I, that's the beauty of their that's the beauty of their um, their, their, dynamic, their collaboration. Their, yeah, yeah is that much. he kind of has the ideas, and you know, Atticus Ross really helped helps him bring that out, and that has led to their composing. You know what I mean? Like you're watching you're watching Vietnam right now, and like that those are old tracks that are taken from some Nine Inch Nails stuff, some stuff from this soundtrack, and it's good. Um, and he's like the premier, like they're the premier group now for putting together scores. Like people are all over them to do this stuff. I mean, they did the Watchmen. I, the Watchmen was yeah. incredible. There's I love watching like some of your favorite artists, people, personalities, like their careers evolve. Like when when somebody kind of finds this second career after you know music and selling records and stuff. Like usually you probably go to TV or yeah. nothing. And then this this is like a an artist driven art driven musical thing that is just a natural extension for him and he'll probably be doing for the rest of his career. Yeah. So we got we gotta move on, gentlemen. What I would like to talk about now is the performances. Jesse Eisenberg. Kills it. I think he's fantastic. I just, I'm not even a really big fan of him and I, he, he nailed it. I'm not a huge fan of him either. Yeah. And I thought yeah. he was great. And him and Andrew Garfield are so good. The the venom, the nasty he's a nasty mm-hmm. bastard. Is you know what I mean he the venom he spews. Oh, he's always putting him down. He's always putting Eduardo yeah. down. And <laughs> you know, like the amount of jealousy, and they really, really bring home those ideas I talked about at the beginning of betrayal, of jealousy, of class, and how wh- wh- you know, and not sharing in another person's success, and you know what I mean, and using that as something to devalue yourself. And he does that, and that really, and as I said from the opening scene, it re- like you see that from the beginning. His, and, his inadequacies and, start showing. Yeah, like how how Andrew Garfield handles the parts where he's welling up, like it gets so it's through those depositions and stuff. He's he's getting progressively uh, more intense, like as obviously as the story goes on and more emotional. And when he's kind of like choking up the way it's like almost like he's like afraid to even talk to him. He feels so betrayed. And it's like it, you feel it. It's just in your guts. You, you know what I thought was so cool about his character was by the end of the movie, other than the fact that we are like we're vaguely aware he like made money on oil futures and like he has a father we don't know anything about wardo like he has that he has a girlfriend like that's that's because you're it's from zuckerberg's perspective right he doesn't give a fuck about yeah, wardo. yes that's so a, like that's he, he doesn't know anything about him so like you see you see him go through this you know his arc which is which is amazing but like you really don't know much about him because zuckerberg genuinely like every time, every like conversation they have, he's like, "I need this. I need it's this Linux how box. Are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I need it's, this Linux box. I need yeah. this, you know, extra thousand dollars. I need this. I need that. You know what I mean? So he, you, you don't know anything about Wardo because. Do you think that was exaggerated? That like, like, are there rumors that he literally did not have almost any friends at all? And like, again, I have no him? idea what I the, what the that's true. story is. I just want to know. I can't confirm that. I'm wondering how much. If they were able to access any transcripts for the deposition parts, that I'm not sure about. Um, I thought Andrew Garfield stole the movie for me personally. The scene where he, was, he, he signs, where he finds out from the lawyers, that's the scene that yeah. his, that's you know, all his shares have been diluted to point zero three percent, and he comes out and he's like, he's he can't talk to you, he's wired in. And we'll get to Timberlake in a second. That's another. Uh, he gra- he walks the way he walks. If you yeah. look at the way he walks in the beginning scene, think about him at the. Um, uh, Caribbean party, how he yeah. walks in the Caribbean party. Yeah. And then he like walks over and then like how he's like walks, like strides out. You got that low angle as you and like back with him. grabs that laptop and one fell movement and just smashes it. And then Gangster. his, and his, 
and he just the venom he finally spits back at him and uh jt's character and we'll get into jt right in a second because i i think that andrew garfield is good jt is is also oh, so good. is incredible in it yeah. he's the and he's I mean, we'll get into it now. He's the Yago. He's the guy who from Othello. He's the guy who is in Lion King. Pardon me. Sorry, Aladdin. <laughs> Li- Lion King. No, not that Yago. Yago. No, from Shakespeare. He was, was not it even was, spelled. It was, it was a bad joke that I fucked up. No, it's amazing because I'm like, <laughs> and no, then we just I was jumped thinking, all over. No, no, because just hung him out to dry. Because I would say Lion King. The Idiot. Lion King. It's not even the Lion. This guy's, got, this guy's got the character and the movie wrong. Yo, Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New. <laughs> okay, so um, okay. But like, guess. he's got that. But of him coming in here, and the opening scene where we not the one with sorry, my apologies, not the opening scene where we see Sean Parker, but the one where he's at the table with them, and it's like this tour de force, and he's like holding court almost, and he has that level of arrogance. Fantastic. I mean, scene. okay, yeah. let's think about it here. Like, if this, if you've told me. Kyle Bodanis, when you're 17 years old, you're going to think JT is kind of awesome. I'd be like, who are you talking about? Fuck this. Bye-bye. All all millennials have been through this journey where, like, this guy started from NSYNC and you had, we were at a bad age for, like. The Gene Tuxedo? Just having no interest in that. Like, actually just spite for that. Yes. And then all of a sudden, this guy with the Mr. Noodle hair is, like, just (laughs) killing it in Hollywood. It's Dude, he... Wow. Is, he is he's amazing. amazing he's amazing i think he's probably not a general but i mean we get to whether or not we think he's a piece of shit but i i think he's probably in real life pretty okay <laughs> i think i've i've i don't how would i know he but was, i think he was good in the guy. movie i don't know i thought he was probably the weakest actor out of everybody but he filled his shoes in the movie no, quite yeah, well okay for yeah. what for, for, for what the character what, is for, and you're also comparing against some really really yeah. talented I, actors right fair so fair i'm just i'm just throwing my two cents in i i thought he was i thought he was good and he was you know, he really, you want to punch him in the fucking face. Oh, yeah. Drop the the. Just Facebook. But it's true, it's though. cleaner. I know, exactly. It's but that's true, though. That's what, I know. That's that's what that's what the way it. he says he, it, you want to bash him with cleaner. a chair. The self-satisfaction he has, cleaner. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, it's, no, so it's that, yeah. You know, right? really and also, cool. he's not a super, I mean, if you, unless you count, like, some Mickey Mouse Club stuff and maybe Alpha Dog, which I can't remember when it came out. Oh. Like, he's not a super experienced actor. He was in Popstar. Well, that was afterwards. Right from the yeah. get-go in Alpha Dog, though, that was the that was the one when I started thinking of JT. He can act. Legit. He can act. Yeah, he can act. One hundred percent. He's a talented guy. And I I thought like again like and the SNL skits. He really some of the best. He, you, some of the best SNL skits. Yeah. Of, period. Yeah. He, period. He really that character really gets between them, right? They they he really gets between them. Really gets in Zuckerberg's ear and is like, this guy's fucking you over. This guy. This guy isn't the guy. And meanwhile, this guy is literally one of the only people who supported him. And, you know, Sean Parker is just using, you know, Mark Zuckerberg as a conduit for his own fame and his own, you know, recognition money. You mean Wardo? But he's using No, Wardo. no, no. He's, no, he's, and I'm saying. Oh, Sean Parker. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying yeah, yeah, Sean Parker yeah, yeah. is using, uh, is using, you know, Zuckerberg, yeah, Zuckerberg. whereas Eduardo Savern is like, this is my brother. Yeah. And this yeah. is someone. But at the end, and I really like that they did this, a lot of movies will retreat to some sort of sorrow for that. Or that he made a mistake. He didn't. If he had listened to Wardo, they would have uh, shot too soon, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have worked out. Like, like the the moral is there. There, if you're if you're thinking the end goal is money or creating this company, which was the goal, Sean Parker was right. So, I well, know. I mean, they didn't know what the goal was, right? He said he's like, we don't yeah. even know what it is yet, and it's like, even at that time, 
you, we didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Like I, then it was like, you know, when we saw that movie, we were like, it's a social network. Now it's like, oh, it's a information harvesting network. So we, at the time, so it, it rings differently watching it with today's lens than it does watching it, you know. I really liked watching this movie now. What, yeah. yeah. Versus the- I liked it in the first place, but I, I watched it yesterday again, too, and just they've really nailed it what yeah i thought they were good i thought the winklevi were fa- i mean army hammer was fantastic he didn't really not until um birth of a nation did he really have a part where he actually <laughs> like was good you know what i mean like he was in the lone ranger i'm like that's the thing because like this movie was kind of you know like for him a st- like a, a launching point where mm-hmm. he was good in it you know he got a lot, a lot of other roles for it but i mean not a whole lot of great roles until he got to um, until he got to Birth of the Nation, which was he was fantastic. He was fantastic in that movie. What do we think about the CG for him? So oh. like it, it held up pretty well. I didn't notice it the first time I saw it. I well I didn't know who Army Hammer uh, Army oh, so Hammer was, was, this was. This was my. This is the first time I ever. Saw I him on, I did not. I I figured that only because most twin situations it's usually like they do coverage for it and all that kind of stuff. This was my first initiation to this gentleman. This gentleman, and I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, he he was he was great. He was he was fantastic. Who was the guy that did the body double for the other guy? We probably don't know. I can't remember. Uh, okay, but yeah, it, uh, he was great as the the Winkle Vi. He that, like that was definitely a highlight. Like those two, and like they're twins, but they were still very much like separate characters. The guy's like, that's, name, Josh Pence was Josh uh, Pence, the, the okay. gentleman's name that was the was double. a stand-in. Yeah. yeah. Now, obviously. Facebook hasn't aged well. I think that is pretty certain here. Like, how are we viewing this film now, given all the Facebook drama that's unfolded? Um, you know, Mark Zuckerberg being the Darth Vader of privacy. Uh, privacy. Uh, <laughs> like, what? Like, what do we think? Like, that's kind of one thing I loved watching this again because I hadn't watched it. In a, I hadn't watched it since that whole Mark Zuckerberg trial, Cambridge Analytica thing. Oh, that's still pretty recently. That was yeah, what, yeah. like ten months ago. Well, I feel like I've watched this movie so many times that it's kind of a big gap. Mm-hmm. But um, you look at it completely different now. Like the elements where you're really evaluating what this thing he made mm-hmm. and its you know and its you know impact on us, you start to really re- reevaluate it, and you do, and it paints him differently. I think absolutely. Well, like like I said before, like the character he, that is. He said they said like we don't even know what it is yet, and it's like they didn't know now. Like, sorry, they didn't know then. They didn't know when the movie came out. It's like... But we do now. Well, I mean, who even knows? Like, how how much deeper does it go? Yeah, right. What What happens when... Yeah, what happens in, like, three years from now when Facebook somehow gets, like, merged and purges all their assets, which is all of our personal information? Yeah, Yeah, the internet brought to you by Facebook. Yeah. Or, like, you have the internet brought to you by Google. Or they're, like, service providers. So it's like, okay, instead of, like, you're going to ABC or whatever before, ABC... Your, you know, your service provider is Facebook. So you wa- you're watching everything that Facebook wants you to see or Google, whatever. Your browser, your search engine, your social media, all of that is curated by Facebook. All that, whatever, Google, it doesn't matter. So it's like... It th- adds an extra level to his venom too, mm-hmm. right? You're seeing a guy who, like now I'm like, is he a sociopath? Absolutely. Right? Like, Have you seen him drink water? <laughs> <laughs> What's with that hair? You got billions I want rich people have terrible hair. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's that's not a broad statement at all. <laughs> um, that was another. You're not rich though. I think that that was kind of another uh, big strength in the movie is that we didn't know 
they didn't know in real life people didn't know what facebook was or what it was going to be but every character knew how important it was and they they put that in really good like everybody from the second anybody heard about it, and that was real right like there was there was a frenzy around it and it turned out the hype was like 100 percent justified yeah. anybody that could clamor on or whatever get a be part of that idea wanted to and now it's yeah. it was massive i remember like we all were there we were all young adults when facebook hit like what we were 18 yeah something like that 17 this 18? is what i loved it. it's like 19? that you you saw that history kind of unfolding in front of your eyes I yeah. find, and it's like the movie kind of contextualized it where because the movie was super modern super getting into like the zeitgeist of you know mm. of, of culture and it's the meaning as we've been watching that history unfold is now completely changed from here's this guy who despite being uh you know kind of a morally reprehensible dickhead uh created this thing that changes the way we you know we interact with one another it gave birth to other social media which then has blown up and the whole concept of social media sharing your life sharing your pictures all that kind of stuff and now it's like it's also the thing that mines your data allows fake you know the whole fake tracks news, you it tracks you you know what i mean selling your metadata to yeah sorry NSA, you said also yeah, fake news exactly yeah, to the nsa to you know different companies advertisers you can pay for it to groups. be yeah i mean you can essentially just pay for it like targeted ads and use it as like your propaganda wing no matter like who you are you know what i mean you can just like pay money and now that's your propaganda wing to super hyper targeted people that are susceptible and are like you know can can be for lack of a better word tricked by you know shitty news articles that aren't getting fact checked or anything and the stuff at the beginning of it when you know they're talking to you, you you're seeing the bait the blatant douchebaggery of them raiding women compared to farm animals taking other people's privacy like the people who are involved were super upset about it mm -hmm. and he tries to be like this is not what i'm all about but in the end when we looked at it it's actually this lack of privacy depriving people of privacy although maybe i was going to say lacking that having a little bit more class than that but it's classless the whole thing and now it's it's just fulfilled kind of what the opening scenes of the movie initially said. About I think it. just it's like it's a movie for the times, especially and sort of Absolutely. where the and where the future is kind of going. And I think in that respect, it's certainly a movie for the decade because of that main reason. But also just back to the whole culture thing about sharing pictures and stuff like that. Edward Snowden talked about stuff like that at the NSA. Just people's pictures were getting passed around. And it was just that kind of a, a culture associated mm -hmm. with those privacy related matters and, and, and before that, like that it was that was like a and so just to further emphasize that it's a that it's a movie for the times and that it's kind of uh it's just reflective of this last decade especially yeah i mean like and like before that like 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 you were saying the people sharing like at the nsa and like the, like that was like a crackpot conspiracy theory you know what i mean like oh like the government's tracking us through social media and then it's like oh shit they are and everybody's kind of like oh okay. this is not a conspiracy theory this is reality i mean edward in i just finished edward snowden's book and he t he singles out facebook as one of you know you know as one of the worst you know the worst offenders for it. i mean yeah. others like amazon he mentions and all that but Google. Yeah, Google. I mean, he, he runs the gamut of all the people, mm -hmm. but, you know, he specifically, you know, mentions Mark Zuckerberg. And, like, you know, there's that whole thing where he gets the business cards where he's like, I'm CEO, bitch. And how the adults, you know, that idea of adults taking the company from him and not letting that happen, that Sean Parker crams down his fucking throat. But maybe an adult should have taken control of something yeah. that wielded that much power. Yeah. Maybe they did, though. 
Mm, no, he brought on. Yep. Now nah, he's been the, the okay. Well, you know what though? I'm gonna let, let's entertain let's let's entertain that idea because maybe because at the end of the day you have investors, mm-hmm. right? So th- the ability to mine that data and distribute it is their biggest way of making money. So perhaps you're correct that there was a there because we don't know we don't know if there was shareholder push to make that happen. But at the yeah, end of the like day, yeah, it's like Zuckerberg, the like the big brains behind this whole data mining operation. Actually, that's an interesting question. So is is that the case? I I'm, I'm, I'm I would definitely put wondering. some I would definitely put some uh, blame on Cheryl Sandberg as well, uh, because she was kind of supposed to be the adult in the room, mm-hmm. and then that happened. And maybe they felt that was brewing. That's why they brought her on. Obviously, she's a super talent in the business world and the tech world. But I mean, we've seen it go off the rails, and I. After I watched the movie again, I watched on YouTube like the Zuckerberg congressional hearing stuff. And it's almost like the, you know, because at the end of the movie, they're like, oh, Mark Zuckerberg is worth this. And these are what these people did. It's like, that should have just been like one of the final, like if you could tack that on. The, the current oh, director's there should just cut. be a sequel. I, yeah. I was watching the movie yesterday thinking I would love a sequel to this movie, just a straight up sequel. Like same actors, you could whatever. Do, yeah, you could. It would be one of those situations where you and me were talking about the Godfather. Godfather Two is almost like a completely different movie. Yeah. That would be a case where that would be kind of like that, where you're looking at the data mining and how that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cambridge yeah, Analytica, Cambridge, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. But like, yeah, I th- I think this is one of those movies that could outlive the actual platform because of how because of mm-hmm. how good the movie is. Like it has that kind of a a feel like a feel like to it i guess if that makes I feel sense. like there's just always going to be some sort of there'll be a version of it of there'll be a version of it maybe maybe not well now the genie's the exact the same thing yeah well yeah, now they put yeah. it back in yeah for sure right well guys uh we got to wrap this up uh, i want to thank you guys for discussing my favorite movie the 2010s uh we will be continuing this we'll make that announcement coming up on social media about which movie is going to be next uh but thank you for listening and uh we'll talk to you soon all right, guys, that's the podcast for this week. Thanks for listening in. If you have questions, comments, or just want to fact check, uh, reach out to us on social media. And if you like what you heard or just want to watch dope videos, go to our YouTube channel and ring that subscriber bell. See you soon.